All right. Well, good morning this morning. Good to see everybody here. I'm going to give you the wave. I was talking to somebody this week and said, well, I've been there. I said, I can't see who you are. You can see out of your windshields, but your windshields are dark. It's hard to see you. I see the size board. You're, you're close. You're close enough I can see you. But anyway, I'm glad to see all of you here. I'm looking forward to another good day. Now, I was thinking about the advantages of driving church and uh, just thinking about a few of the advantages. You know, we're always looking at the downside of things. Just look at the positive side of things for a moment today. Drive in church, and, and by the way, if you're you're new with us, thank you for being with us, and thank you for being our guest today. We've had guests every week, and I didn't even know it, but I'm thankful you're here with us, and I'd love to to, to try to get to meet you as soon as we can, and, and I'm waving at you now, and uh, if you need some information about the church, we'd love to get that to you as well, but again, thanks for being with us. If you're new with us, 87.9 on the FM dial. That way you can keep your windows up. If you don't know that already, turn your radio to 87.9 and, and you can listen by radio. That might help you this morning. It's a little bit colder. But but some of the advantages to drive in church, think about this. Number one, you can't yell to preacher anymore. You're too hot or too cold. You control that now. You're sitting in your own vehicle. You turn it up, you turn it down. That's up to you. You can't, you can't yell at the preacher, it's too loud or too low. Hey, you got your own volume knob. You turn it up, you turn it down. Some, some great advantages. And, and some of you, I can see already, are taking advantage of, of the scripture that says that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Because we got some perennial back rowers on the front row. And it seems like the front row is a place to be now. And I don't know if it's because you have a windshield and now I can't spit on your face when I'm preaching. I don't know why you're up here, but I'm glad you're up here and I'm glad you're all here. But anyway, some advantages to think about. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask him to bless our service and we'll get on with it. Father, we thank you again for the privilege to be here, to assemble together, Lord, and in unique ways during these times. And I'm thankful that, Lord, you promised that, the, uh, that Lord, the gates of hell should not prevail against your church. And thank you for the assembly together. And I pray, Lord, that Jesus would be glorified and magnified today and lord through the singing lord through the the assembly of your people and through the teaching and the preaching of the word of god just bless our services may jesus be magnified i pray in christ's name we ask it amen well good morning everyone i would say please stay thank you thank you <laughs> I would say please stand, which I mean you could if you wanted to stretch your legs and experience the fresh air, but you can go ahead and sing in there. If you uh, do have your windows down, go ahead and try to uh, get your voice out there so I can hear you, but uh, let's please sing. Uh, he is exalted. We're going to sing it twice. Uh, hopefully we had enough uh, lyric pages to go around, but let's sing. He is exalted. He is exalted, the King is exalted on high. I will praise Him. He is exalted forever, exalted, and I will praise His name. He is the Lord, forever His truth shall reign. Choice in his 
I'll cheer him on as he comes. All right. You never got that kind of welcome, have you, brother? <laughs> while, while, while he's coming, I, I got you something. 
Now these are cheap, we're just having a good time with it, but they, they, can, they can have multiple purposes. If you want one of these, there's a little basket up here, you can come get one, you got your own mask. You say, how's it work? Well, you put that thing over one ear, put it over this ear. And what I've found is it actually improves the looks of many people, <laughs> uh, including myself. And, and it doubles, it's, it's a pretty cheap cloth mask, but you're still welcome to it. Somebody said, well, if it's not an N95 mask, I'm not wearing it. Uh, let me just tell you, listen, I don't know about you, but uh, if I spit into a screen door, I'm glad there's a screen door that catches some of it. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so you're still welcome. And, uh, here's the second part that'll be helpful to you. If, if the economy doesn't get opened up pretty soon, you can wear these when we go hit Skyline National Bank. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Uh, all right. So they're ready to sing this morning.
saying worthy of worship gives many reasons our God is worthy of every praise and the amazing thing is that even even what Tony just sang about is as we celebrated last week Christ laid aside his glory and gave us his righteousness and holiness through the cross God's perfect holiness is what doesn't allow sin to be in his presence but because of Jesus his holiness is imputed to our record, and God chooses to remember our sins no more. Let's sing, Holy, Holy, Holy.
Amen. Take your Bibles this morning. Nehemiah chapter 4. Good again to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Nehemiah chapter number 4. And uh, be looking at some interesting things I want to talk about today that I think is pretty applicable even to the day that we're living in. And, and we'll do that from Nehemiah chapter 4. You know, we're, I don't have to tell you, you hear it said all the time, and you know this truth that we're living in some unique times, that's for sure. And times when, listen, uh, where a godless society has deemed a liquor store essential and church non-essential. Times when abortion clinics are considered essential in many places, but gathering together and, and faith is considered and deemed non-essential. Times when killing a baby is okay, but letting adults willfully choose whether whether they, they, they uh, want to risk going somewhere, going to work even, and, and making a living for their family, it seems, is, is now uh, considered non-essential and silly. Times when our faith and our importance of our faith is being ridiculed. Ridiculed. Read the headlines. Watch the news. And hope you don't do too much of it. You'll get discouraged. But, but can I tell you, listen, the importance of faith, the importance of, uh, of, of being in God's house, the importance of doing a work for God. Hey, listen, being ridiculed is nothing new. You can go to the Word of God and you can find uh, in the Word of God, which we're going to do this morning, that, that Nehemiah was very living in similar times. When he was trying to do a work for God, when he was trying to uh, establish his faith and, and build some walls so that they could get back someday to worshiping in the temple and protecting the town of Jerusalem that they removed it, he was ridiculed, he was mocked, his work uh, was deemed not essential, if you would by the world system. So how do we as Christians living under such ridicule respond? And so that's my, my, my question this morning. That's where I want to th talk about this morning is simply this. How do we respond to ridicule? Because your faith is going to be ridiculed. Your, the, the fact that you believe church is essential and important is going to be ridiculed. That's the day and age that we're living in. So let's look together. Nehemiah chapter number four and, and let's learn how to respond to ridicule. How to respond to ridicule. Give you the context here just to get you caught up. Nehemiah was, was called to do obviously many great tasks by the God Almighty and he wanted to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem and that was his, his main task he was given at the time we're reading here in this account and the Lord had revealed exactly how it should be done and, and who he wanted to do it and, and it's easy to see as you, you read through the book of Nehemiah that God's hand was all over Nehemiah and he was leading him down this road but you know what when he started to do a work for the Lord, it didn't take long for the critics to show up. And it's amazing how true that always happens when you try to do something for the Lord, how the, the critics will show up and you start to do something, you start to serve maybe in a greater capacity than you've served in the past. And, and listen, the mocking will come, the ridicule will come, I'll, I promise you they will find you. That's what they do. You don't have to look for them. They'll come find you. And Nehemiah here, and he's, he's got a small group, a small contingent in, in his day, and they're trying to rebuild the wall. The work's begun. Everybody's got a, an assigned section, an assigned duty, and everybody's doing the tasks they've been assigned. And the work of God is moving forward in spite of, of everything that's going on. And that's when they show up. That's when the critics showed up. That's when the ridicule came. And let me tell you, the ridicule always come when you're trying to stand for faith and do something for God. Nehemiah chapter 4. Let's read a few verses this morning. And 
If you're there, give me a good amen. Honk your horn. That means I can quit talking and get to the preaching. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4. Read with me verse number 1. Some sections, by the way, let me just give you that. You got to talk a little longer. Because I know it takes a little longer to find certain books of the Bible. So that's why I was doing it. Nehemiah chapter 4. Read along with me here. The Bible says, but it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we built it in the wall, he was wroth, interesting word, we'll look at that in a minute, and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. Notice they never alone, are they? And he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Do you hear the ridicule? Do you hear the mocking in the text? Hear, O God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of the captivity and cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from uh, before thee for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders now that is an imprecatory prayer right there uh, but look at verse 6 what did Nehemiah do when the ridicule came the Bible just says so we built the wall you know what he did he just kept on keeping on serving the Lord and the wall was joined together into the half thereof for the people had a mind to work. Father, I pray for the next little bit as we examine this text and Lord make application, I believe, even to our day. Lord, some truths from this text. I pray that you'd help us. Lord, in a day and age where we're living, when when Lord Christianity, when faith even is the, the, the authority of the scriptures, and when these things are being mocked and, and the assembling together is being considered non-essential. I pray, Lord, as we're living in a day where like like Nehemiah was, where we're getting ridiculed for the things we believe, that Lord, we would learn to respond and respond properly, Lord, to ridicule. Lord, help us learn a little bit about the nature of the ones who do the ridiculing today. Let us learn a little bit about, uh, Lord, the way they come, and then, Lord, help us to learn how to properly respond. And I ask it in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. As we look at this, I want you to see what I just simply called to begin with the names of ridicule. We're going to look at two names, but I'm less interested in the names, although we'll give you the context of it, and more interested in the characteristics of these people than what they're called and what their name is. But the first one is simply this, the ridicule of Sanballat. And, and we see him listed, first of all, in, in chapter 4, the Bible says, But when it came to pass, when Sanballat heard that we built at the wall, he was raw and took great indignation and mocked the, view, the Jews. And so Sam Ballot, we got to understand this, he was a Samaritan, and, and a Samaritan, now listen, the tension between the Jews and the Samaritans go, goes back a long time, even before Nehemiah's days. In fact, in fact, it was about 300 years before that. After most of the Jews were taken captive around 722 B.C., the, the, what would happen here is many many other groups came in and populated there in Israel and Jerusalem, and those, those groups intermarried with the Jews, and, and, and and they formed a what we call a mixed ethnic group, if you would. And that group became known as the Samaritans. 
Now, when the Jews returned uh, to their land, they wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. They considered them ethnically impure. And then the relationships got worse and worse and worse. And by the way, it stayed that way all the way to Jesus' time. And in fact, do you remember the account in John chapter 4 when Jesus goes to the woman at the well? That was a Samaritan woman that was at the well. You remember what she said to him in, in John 4 verse 9? I'll read it to you. The, the Bible says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And so, so we see it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, between the Jews and Samaritans, it went back before Nehemiah's day, continued on even into Jesus' day, and you could even, you could even say even into today. And so, so here's the reason this was such a big deal to Sam Ballot. See, the, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem would have a direct impact on the future of Samaria. One of the main roads that linked uh, uh, the, the Tigris River and the Euphrates River together uh, uh, from the north to the south down to Egypt, it passed right through that main road, passed through Jerusalem. When Jerusalem was once again walled and protected, uh, the trade routes would be uh, hindered, if you would, and the economy of, of Samaria would be hindered quite a bit. It's amazing how, how many times things come down to economy, isn't it? It's amazing how that's true in our day and that day and so forth. And, and so Sam Ballot was writing. He saw the writing on the wall, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. And, and, and he didn't like what he read. And look at his response here in our Bible again. And the Bible says he was wrong. You see that word? That word wrong means to be hot. It means to literally be furious, to burn with anger. And then he goes on to say this. He, he wasn't only wrong, but he had great indignation. That means he was vexed, he was grieved. And so, so maybe put it in our terms today, he was irritated. He was annoyed. He was, he was distressed. And, and the way he handled that was lashed out by mocking and ridiculing Nehemiah and the builders that were helping him because he was a man controlled by anger. Now let me give you a principle real quick as we're talking about the names uh, of ridicule and, you know, and again what I'm meaning by that I'm less interested in Sam Ballot as a name I'm more interested in the characteristics that made up the man Sam Ballot because here's a truth that's true today that was true in his case too when people rock when they ridicule here's what it always is it always comes down that they have an internal distress that leads to an external attack they got some own pro their own problems. They got some internal problems when it helps, and, and that, that always happens. Listen, remember, when others attack you, when, whether it be people of this world, whether it be people in the church, whether it be people in your family, it's an internal distress they're dealing with that leads to that external attack. Mark it down. Someone speaks ill of you. But listen, when somebody attacks you, it's always due to some type of internal distress in their life. That's important to understand because it will help us to understand when people come at us that many times it's really not our problem. It's really a problem they're having in their own life. And so, so many times when they attack you, it's because they're unhappy with something in their circumstances, in their life. They have some unresolved dis distresses in their own lives. And, and they're looking for somebody to take it out on. You ever heard that saying, misery loves company? <laughs> so when they get miserable, they want you to be miserable. And so, listen, I, I'm going to get to some nicer stuff here in a little bit, but here's what I want you to understand. When you're attacked, when you're ridiculed for your faith, it's because I could be nice and I could say it in a mean way. It's because they're ignorant, but it's not just because they're ignorant. It's because they got some internal distress. 
they got some things in their own heart, their own life that they need to get right. And they're taking it out on others. That's what happens every time. Mark it down. See, when a person's truly settled, when they're truly living for God, listen, they won't be attacking you. You say, where do you get all this from? Well, you remember what James said, James 1, 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Can I tell you, unstable literally means what we're talking about here. Listen, they'll take their anger out on somebody else. When, when anger grips a person's life, it, it leads them to destructive decisions and actions and, and things, and they lash out at anybody they can find. By the way, that's true for you, too. That's true for me, too. we got to be careful. We can find ourselves in that spot from time to time. Hey, when we start to criticize, when we start to ridicule, when we start to talk down others, here's the problem. we got some kind of internal problem going on in us. It isn't the other person. My number one problem has always been, always will be, not the devil, not you, not the person ridiculing me, criticizing me. My number one problem has always been the man in the mirror. How about you? It's always me. It's always me. It's always me, uh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And, and so, so here's the deal. When we get to that place, when we get there, listen, the, the, the deal is we need to get right. We need to get right with God. And so do these people that are ridiculed and mocking. We need to get our own issues resolved and, and quit worrying about what others are doing and start worrying about what's going on in our lives. Listen to what the author of Proverbs said. Solomon said this, he that is low to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. Listen, we got to get rule over our spirit. He said in Proverbs 29, verse 22, but an angry man is the one that stirreth up strife. Hey, when ridicule comes, mocking comes, strife comes, it's always because somebody's angry. And Sam Ballot here is an angry person. Is Everything he perceives that belongs to him is getting ready to get taken away if these walls come back and, and if they get the, these walls built. Reminds me of an old country teacher that had this little kindergartner kid, and uh, she's trying to help the kid put on the shoes. I mean, help pull it. The kid couldn't pull those shoes on, and so she went over and helped, and it took everything she could. She pulled and pulled and helped that kid get his shoes on. Finally, finally, after many minutes of agonizing struggle, she got the shoes on. And the little boy looked at her and said, Teacher, I think they're on the wrong feet. She said, you're right. So she starts helping him to get them off. And they were just as hard to get off as they were to get on in the first place. And, and finally, they get them off. And they, they get them on the right feet. And, and he pulls them on and pulls them on. She helps. And they're both struggling. They finally get them on. And, and, and whew, that was hard. So the teacher asked her, well, is these your boots? She goes, no, they're my brothers. They're not even my size. <laughs> yeah. Then she said, she goes, well, let's go, let's get your coat and get your mittens, get your gloves, and let's go on. She's, and the guy looks at her and says, well, there's my coat over there, but my, my mittens, my gloves, they're in my boots. <laughs> That's what made them so hard to put on in the first place. Can you just picture her and how frustrated she was and, and brought about, I mean, she screamed, she went crazy thinking about all that she just went through. But, and Sam Ballot, by the way, is going crazy like that too, but he's not alone. Look at this with me. Look down verse number three. Sand Ballad is not alone. Again, misery loves company. And you, you'll find this. Every critic, everyone that brings ridicule mocks, they always have a crowd and they assemble them together. He's got a helper with him. This guy's named Tobiah. And look, look with me in verse number three. If I get my paper, my Bible to quit blowing around. The Bible says, now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was by him. Y'all see that? 
who's the hymn he's by? Well, that's Sanballat. And so he's got company. And so the ridicule and all, it continues. It really intensifies it. And now it's from another source as well. Tobiah is there. It's like a one-two punch, if you would, uh, from Satan. You ever notice how that usually happens? There's a, there's a one-two punch when they come at you. And, and so who's this Tobiah guy? Well, he's an Ammonite official. He had moved into Jerusalem to, and he had taken some power that wasn't his. He had taken some property that wasn't his. He had taken a, a position, really, that wasn't his. And, and he's there while the Jews were exiled. In fact, historians tell us that he took over some of the storerooms of the temple itself and used them for his own use while the Jews were in exile. So now with, with Nehemiah coming back, building the walls, and they're going to take over the city and get back to worshiping in the temple and, and get back to that, guess what was going to happen to him? He was going to get kicked out. He was going to lose his power. He was going to lose his property that wasn't even his in the first place. He was going to lose his, his posterity, if you want to look at it that way. He was going to lose his position, all those things, when the Jews come back. And so, so he had reason to jump in this, too. He had some skin in the game. And the, again, let me give you a truth here I want you to get today. is Ridicule often comes from people when they perceive they're going to lose something that wasn't even theirs in the first place. <laughs> That's the truth I want you to get. That's where, that's usually many times the source. So some have a position they've appointed themselves to. When they when they when they realize they may lose it, boy, they, they're gonna fire out. Some have power that they, they've self-righteously obtained, and when they feel like they're gonna lose it, they lash out. Some have some property that they commandeered that never belonged to them in the first place. When they feel like they're gonna lose it, they lash out. They, these are the common things that happen. And so Tobiah here comes on the scene and look what he starts, the way he ridicules. He actually questions the integrity of the work. Look what he says in verse 3. The Bible says, Now Tobiah the Ammonite was, was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Here's what he's doing. He said, Listen, that wall's so weak, that wall's so, that wall's so poorly built that, listen, a little fox would knock it down. So he's insulting, really, the quality of the work, if you think about it that way. The stability of it, the endurance of it. And, and boy, I'm going to give you a truth. Again, I'm less interested today in Sanballat and, and Tobiah by name. I'm looking at the characteristics that make up their, their life is simply this. Is, you, you notice this. If you haven't ever done your life, you'll, you'll, you you got to agree with me. This is true. It's always the people who aren't part of the work that aren't helping to build the place in the first place, that criticize the ones that are. Have you ever noticed that in your life? It's the people not doing anything that want to criticize the ones that are doing something. So, so Tobiah, here's a picture of, of, the, of the world that many times don't have anything going on for them, and they want to criticize the work that's going on for God. And so we see the names of ridicule, Sambai, Tobiah, they go by many names, but there are always this. There are always people that are unhappy, have an internal distress, that, that, that externally react to that distress. People that stand to usually lose power, position, uh, prosperity, if you would, and even possessions. I want you to think about that next time you watch some of these, and I'm not trying to get political here, but the next time you watch some of these politicians and decisions they make, and how they mock the things of God, how they mock the value of work, by the way, and they, they try to put on this pretense, we just want to, we just want to, every life is valuable. What about all the babies you're killing? You don't care about their lives? I'm just trying to tell you, listen, we're living in a day where we're getting ridiculed. The names are ridiculed. I want you to see also this, the nature of ridicule. 
They ridiculed how they knew it. They ridiculed God's people as feeble, first of all. Look back to verse 1. But it came to pass when Samuel that he heard that we built the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Look what he said in verse 2. And he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? They mocked them as feeble. They ridiculed God's people as feeble. See, the world measures everything by size. The world measures everything by numbers and finances and, and power. And I can tell you that's true in the preacher's world. I mean, I'll tell you what, I go to preacher's conferences. First thing they want to ask is, hey, uh, uh, how, how's the Lord? How you doing if you walk with the Lord? No, it's never that. How, are folks growing spiritually at your church? You see anybody saved lately? No, it's never that. You know what they want to ask? First thing I'm always asked, how many people are you running? Is that a messed up society or what? Hey, you can have 5,000 people. They're not growing grace and knowledge in the Lord. Then you don't have a church. You just have a, you just have a crowd. And so, so here's the way I answer them. I'll help you. I said between four and 5,000. That shuts them up every time. <laughs> and I didn't lie. Between four and 5,000. Y'all get that later anyway. When you're pumping gas. Anyway, it's cheap, by the way. Fill up before you go home. But so, so here's what I'm trying to say. Listen, God delights in using the feeble things. They modicled, they ridiculed God's people as feeble here. They, they said, what are these feeble Jews? But, but I want to tell you, listen, when they start calling us feeble, that's a good place to be because that's who God chooses to use. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul put it this way, 126, he said, for ye, are, uh, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not so many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But then he said this, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Thank God when they start calling us feeble and foolish and so forth. Hey, you're standing in a spot to be used by God. That's a good place to be. And here they are. and they're, they're, they, Maybe they are feeble. Maybe they are foolish. But I want to tell you, they qualify to be used by God Almighty. And God's going to use them. And listen, he's chosen the weak things of the world, the Bible goes on to say, to confound the things of the mighty. And he's going to use them to build these walls no matter how much they mock no matter how much they criticize see god gets glory by doing big things through small people isn't that good to know today because listen the, the devil the world they want to think you're too weak they want you to think you're you physically can't do it anymore that you spiritually can't do something for god but i want you to know listen if you got breath you got life god's not done with you you can do something for god find a place to do it get to work for god amen don't let somebody tell you you're not good enough don't let somebody tell you you don't know enough. Don't let somebody know, tell you your past is too bad, that you're too young, you're too old. Don't let somebody tell you that. Don't let somebody tell you too much of a fool to work for God. Again, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. They ridiculed God's people as being feeble, but look, they also ridiculed uh, God's task as being futile. Looking again in verse 2, the Bible says, uh, what do these feeble do? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end of the day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of the rubbish or, uh, which are burned? And, and so they're just saying it can't be done. There's no need to even try. Now, according to, their, to verses 1 and 2, there's a, there's a pretty big crowd gathered here. And he, he's talking to the army of Samaria. He spoke before his brother in the army of Samaria in verse number 2. A pretty big crowd. And, and there's a small group working and a big crowd mocking the ones that work. And another truth for you, a big crowd. That, that, sounds, like, that sounds like our government action. That, that sounds like the workers on the road on the side. And unfortunately, it sounds like many churches and they're mocking the workers 
the crowd roars. I, I can picture the crowd roar, roaring with laughter every single time that they make one of these accusations in verse number two and, and so forth. But I want you to know this. The world may seem like it's winning, but we win. Amen. We are on the winning side. And I've read the back of the book. And I like how President Woodrow Wilson said it. I wouldn't quote him that often, but he's from my hometown. Eric yeah, gave me props every once in a while. But listen to what he said. He nailed a truth here. Even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every once in a while. Amen. He said this, I would rather temporarily fail with a cause that will ultimately win than to temporarily win with a cause that will ultimately fail. Can I read that to you one more time? Hey, that's an encouragement to me. I would rather temporarily fail with a cause that will ultimately win than to temporarily win with a cause that will most ultimately fail. They ridicule God's people as being feeble, and they ridicule God's people as being futile. They ridicule for, for being foolish. They said, well, look at verse 2, will they sacrifice? Making fun of their religions, what they're doing. Oh, they're just going to assemble together and sing some songs, and some preacher's going to open up some book and preach and get loud at times, get quiet at times, maybe tell a story or two, and then and then talk about this Jesus and this imaginary guy. That's what the world's mocking us for today. Listen, they're all over the place mocking. I can't believe when people drive down there to hear that story about some guy that, yeah, that's supposedly God in the flesh that came and died on a cross for their sins and was buried and rose again. And they'll mock and they'll mock and they'll mock. Will they sacrifice? You see what they're asking here? They're mocking what they believe. I got some news for them. There's the ones that will mock if they don't repent and trust Jesus. There's a day coming for them that I don't want them to go through. It's the saddest thing in the world. We can get upset about it, and I do from time to time. I get all riled up about it, but but really, it's sad more than upsetting. It's, it makes me sadder than angrier. Because I believe that book. I believe heaven is real. And I believe hell is real. And those that are mocking and, and laughing that here you are, I can't believe you, you will drive down there and sit in a car and listen to some guy yell at you. Well, how silly is that? How silly is that? drive you in church. How silly is watching something on a live stream? That's sillier than going to a church building in the first place. That's why they're mocking us today. But I want to tell you this. I serve a real Savior who really left the glory of heaven to come to this earth to willingly die who rose from the dead on the third day. And because I believe in that gospel message and the Jesus of the gospel and what he did, listen, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. Unfortunately, if they don't change, they're going to spend eternity in hell. So get less mad about it and let's get more sad about it. Because that's where they'll go and I don't want anybody to go there. That's why we proclaim that message every single week. <laughs> the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why I tell you every single week that for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why every single week, I don't think there's a service one, you don't hear Romans 10, 9. And I had somebody said to me the other day, uh, I had an opportunity, some businessmen uh, decided to pay for a commercial. They wanted a one-minute gospel commercial, and they're going to put it on TV. And uh, they asked me to do one of them. And I was like, oh, my goodness, one minute. You're going to try to get a preacher to preach the gospel in one minute. So I had one minute, one minute. So 
I laid it out and worked out 59 seconds. Praise God. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we got done 59 seconds. The recording's done. And by the way, if you want to watch that, it's on WSLS TV 10. I love where they put it. They paid. They wanted it specifically put during the news. That's a good time to have it on. Amen. 540 every day on Channel 10. You turn it on there sometime and you'll see my ugly face there. Our brother Ronnie Harrison's ugly face, one of us. And uh, But we're going to proclaim the gospel. But I had somebody that saw it and said, and said listen, I, that's the first time I've not heard you use Romans 10.9. I said, I only had a minute, man. <laughs> That's a long verse. But but there won't be a, there won't be a Sunday I don't think a service you'll come to. You won't hear me here say Romans 10, 9. Because my Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in that heart that God is raising from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I, I read one theologian. He said, they don't have anything to do in this age. It'll work for me beside a race car at Eastside Speedway. And it'll work for you this morning. Listen, don't ridicule our faith. Will they sacrifice making fun of their religion? And listen, it goes on today. Hey, virgins don't give birth. Nobody can rise from the dead. They just mock all this stuff. I've never seen anybody riding on a white horse. Well, if you don't repent, you're still not going to. Amen? Because we're the ones coming back with him on, on the white horses. But praise God, it is real. The Bible is real. The truths are real. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But thank God, listen, when they're ridiculing us for our faith for being foolish, we know we can stand on it. They ridiculed their work as being frail, too. Tobias says, listen, their laws won't even last. A fox is going to knock them down. And that's what critics are still saying about the church and, uh, today. Listen, that the church won't last. You know what some of the, the atheists said about the Bible? One guy said that, that uh, I forget, I think it's Ingersoll was his name. He said, listen, the Bible won't last 100 years. I'll have that thing put out. You know what they ended up doing? Buying his house and putting a printing press in it and printing Bibles. Amen. And we still got the Bible today. Listen, they, they, they make fun of these things. That it's too frail. It won't last. Praise God. Listen, in man's power, the church won't last. But can I remind you what Jesus said? He said to Peter, he said, thou art Peter, thou art little rock. Then I believe he pointed right back at himself. But I am big rock. I am the rock that we built the church on. So he said, thou art Peter upon this rock, upon me, upon Jesus. He said, I will build my church. And I don't know what happened there, but I'm changing the microphone. <laughs> Battery died. All right. But upon me, upon me, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not perish. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know this morning? Listen, when ridicule comes, uh, hey, ridicule the workers being frail. Can I tell you last Sunday morning? I don't know even who they are. But there was one over here and one over here. Tough to give an invitation in a setting like this. But I heard two horns honk. Said they trusted Jesus. The gates of hell won't prevail, friends. They can shut down the churches. Listen, when the gospel's proclaimed, God will bless it and God will work. And I'm thankful for that. So, so let's get to how we, what are we to do now? We've seen the names of ridicule and and I was more interested in the personality types. We've seen the nature of it and how they how they specifically attack and mock their faith, mock them as futile and foolish and, and frail and all this. Now, but leaves us with this, how do we respond to ridicule? When it comes our way, what do we do? Are we to fight back? Are we to go get loud? There is a time when we have to stand. There's no doubt about that. But I want you to understand this. Remember the cause of ridicule in the first place. 
We've covered some of it. You remember that internal distress that leads to an external reaction? It's usually folks that have some discontent in their heart. You know why they got discontent? They got a hole in their heart when they ridicule our faith. It's because they don't have Jesus. We got to remember that. And remember, they're missing something pretty critical. And remember this. Someone once said this. This is a quote. I don't remember who said it. But it said, ridicule is a substitute for reason. That's pretty good. Ridicule is a substitute for reason. And laughter is a substitute for logic. Ridicule is a substitute for reason. Listen, if they can't, they can't debate us on the merits of the facts, then here's what they're going to do. They'll just ridicule what you believe. That's what the world does, what the world system does. That's where we are today. Hey, we can trust science. Let's, right, that's all we need to trust is science. That's what they'll say. Hey, I'm all for science. Don't get me wrong. But let me tell you this. There's something I trust way more than science, and that's these scriptures. Because the God that created everything is the one who created science in the first place. And it's a very reasonable book if you look at it. But they don't want to reason. That's why they're ridicule. When you look at the evidence, listen, it's easy to believe the Bible is the word of God. So many prophecies that have been fulfilled. By the way, so many scientific discoveries that were, that, that it just took us thousands of years to figure out that were put in the Bible years and years before man even found them. It's all in there. The testimony of this, the scriptures, their scientific accuracy, their prophetic accuracy, their archaeology proofs, and we can go through all that. Here's what I'm just trying to say. I'm saying it's a reasonable faith is all I'm trying to say. And it, but, but when the world can't reason with, uh, with you, they can't reason you out of believing, what they will try to do is ridicule you out of believing. When they can't logic you, logic you out of believing, they'll try to laugh you out of believing. That's the world's thinking. When they don't have a good case based on facts, you know what they do? They, do, they get dirty. They result to smear tactics. They result in name calling and insults. Now, I'll tell you, listen, I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on. If you don't turn on TV and see that's exactly where we are today. It's the way it's always been. It's the way it wasn't in my time. The cause of ridicule is lack of reason and logic and the insecurity of the person doing the ridicule. Now, something else to remember. Remember the cause. The reason I keep bringing that up is because the causes are missing something on the inside that they need. And his name is Jesus. And instead of us as Bible-believing Christians spending all our time in pure anger at their ridiculousness, and that's exactly what it is, let's remember they're a lost soul that is on by their own admission on their way to hell without Jesus. They need Jesus. Let's let that break our hearts a little more and fire up our, our anger. We also need to remember not only the cause of ridicule, but remember the character of those doing the ridicule. It's been said that you know we're known by the friends we keep, right? And I tell you, we're not only known by the friends we keep, we're known by the enemies that sometimes we make, too. There's something wrong with a Christian who never gets ridiculed or laughed at. You want to know what that is? The world probably doesn't know you're a Christian. Listen, they're going to mock us. It's always been happening. It was happy. It happened to Jesus. You say I've never been laughed at. Don't, don't. That's not a good statement to say. I mean, 
your faith isn't showing enough. Because I promise you, you'll find them. You don't even have to find them. They'll find you, as I said earlier. Let me make a really controversial statement. I like those, right? <laughs> you know, we as Christians, we should never do something for others. Don't you be controversial. Did y'all catch that? We should never do something for others. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't help other people. That's the farthest thing from what I'm saying. I know it's what you think I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. We should do something for others only because of Jesus. When we do it for others, guess what? We're usually expecting something in return. But when we do it for Jesus, we did it for the right motive. There's nothing to be expected in return. So a good way to, to find out when you're, when you're doing something is, is, is am I doing it the right motive? See, we need to remember the character of those that are ridiculing. Because, listen, they're not going to give you a thank you when you do something nice. They're not, that's not the way they live. They're not going to give you a thank you for handling them a gospel track. Listen, they're going to ridicule for you, but I'm not doing it for them. I'm not doing it seeking something back. I'm doing it for Jesus. And if we remember that, we'll be fine. My, my Jesus said this, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for them. Remember their character. Don't respond to kind. That's how we respond to ridicule. Remember the cause of the ridicule. Remember the character of the ones that are doing the ridicule. Remember the company you're in when you're ridiculed, by the way. You're pretty good company because Jesus himself was ridiculed himself. Y'all remember that they laughed at him at Mark 540 when he's getting ready to go do some uh, another miracle. The Bible says they laughed him to scorn. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 63, when he's on the cross, the men that held Jesus mocked him and smoked him. Now, I often wondered, what was worse, the mocking or the smiting? You say, what's the difference? Well, the talking, the ridiculing, that's the mocking, but the smiting was the beating that he took, the physical suffering, which was worse. And, you know, I, I, I think probably, possibly even the mocking and the ridiculing was. You have, you have maybe heard that statement, sticks and stones will never break my bones, or sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Y'all heard that statement? <laughs> Whoever said that's a moron? Can I just go on record saying that? Because words hurt, don't they? Mocking hurts. Being ridiculed for your faith hurts. But listen, I'm just trying to tell you, you're in good company, because you're in company with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They spit on him. They mocked him as well. You're in pretty good company. Listen, how to respond to remit ridicule remember the cause of ridicule remember the character of those doing the ridicule remember the company you keep when you're being ridiculed hey remember the compensation you'll receive as well jesus said this blessed are ye when men shall revile you matthew 5 verse 11. don't catch that blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake here's what he said in verse 12 rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Praise God. <laughs> Each time you're ridiculed for Christ's sake, hey, there's a deposit made in heaven. Your bank account over here might not have anything in it, but I'm telling you, listen, when they ridicule you, your faith, and they ridicule you for standing for Christ, for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, hey, there's a deposit made in heaven. Remember the company you keep when you're ridiculed. Remember the compensation you'll receive. Lastly, I want you to get this. 
remember the conclusion of the matter. What's the conclusion of the matter? Well, here's how Paul put it in Romans 12. He told us not to respond in kind. He told us, listen, when they get angry, and sometimes, listen, I'm as guilty as anybody. I get angry and I want to respond in like manner. But I've never even won an argument with somebody and won them to Christ. Y'all know that? I've never responded out of anger and had an opportunity to then win them to, uh, win them to Christ. And we got to remember, that's the hole they're missing. They have an internal distress that led to that external reaction. That they're needing, uh, they want you, they want to bait you into that, but... They want to bait you into trying to be revenge and show revenge. They want to bait, to bait us into responding in like matter. They want to bait us into uh, to being like the world. That's what they want us to do. Here's what Jesus said, though. Listen to this, Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. He said, what are you trying to say, preacher? I'm saying we don't retaliate in like man. Leave that to the Lord. You know what we're to do? We're to do exactly what Nehemiah did. You know what he did? He prayed for them. It was a pretty tough prayer, but I would actually pray probably, and I'm not trying to criticize Nehemiah here. I, I think we probably ought to pray, Lord, that they need to be saved. He prayed an imprecatory prayer. He prayed a pretty tough prayer on them, but maybe he knew exactly what their state was. But I would probably say, hey, let's pray, Lord. These folks that are mocking us, these folks that are ridiculing us, Lord, they need you. God, would you show them you? Would you show them truth? Would, it, would you turn the light bulb on for them, Lord? But you know what else he did? Here's what he did. This Verse 6. The Bible went on to say he had a mind to work. You know what they did? They kept on working. They kept on keeping on. Even in the midst of the critical people, and even in the midst of the critical, they just kept working. You want to know why? Because I believe they knew the God who spoke the world into existence in the first place would get the last word. And they had a cause that was far greater than arguing with people who believe different, arguing with people that are different sides of politics. Their cause was the cause of Christ. And Brother J.D., they were ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And they realized that was their cause. Their cause was to, to go on and do the work that God has called them to do. That was, in their case, to rebuild the walls. But I can I tell you, we got to work God's called us to do. That is to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. And if you won't tell them with your mouth, then to give them a track. But listen, we got to get it out there. And it don't matter how much, how many times they throw it down. It don't matter how many times they spit in our face. It don't matter how many times. They mock us, ridicule. You're so weak, you need a God. Hey, you're going to be weak on your knees one time, one day in front of that God if you don't repent. They need to know there is a truth. There is a God in heaven that loved them and, and that hole that's in their heart that is a Jesus-sized hole and He wants to move in. He wants to save them. He wants to seal them for eternity. And He loved them so much that He left the glory of heaven to come to them. That's the Jesus we serve. There's a whole lot of people that I see on that, that, that TV thing that make idiotic statements that frustrate me every week. And I have to remind myself of this very lesson. Instead of yelling at the TV at them, instead of just calling them every name in the book, hey, I want to do it too, how about y'all? If I remember... They're a lost soul 
Guess what? I can respond to the ridicule a whole lot different, can you? I can just go on about doing what God's called me to do. And you can go on about doing what God's called you to do. Instead of responding like me, when I remember their character, when I remember their, the, the type of people, or I remember their names and their natures, then I can respond in the right way. And I remember what the Lord said, the conclusion of the matter. He's got it. He said, hey, avenge not yourselves. I got it. I will repay, saith the Lord. We're to just keep on working. So here's the question this morning. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Jesus said, if you're either for me or you're against me. You're either a scatterer or you're a gatherer. If you're on Jesus' side, can I promise you then? Ridicule will come. If you still believe in the authority of the Scripture, if you still believe that Jesus is the, the only Savior, and you believe that over whatever the knowledge of this human knowledge of select, select secular society has today, would you just, if you still believe that, would you give me an amen this morning? I still believe in the I still believe in the same. Watch out. Listen, you'll be ridiculed. Make sure you respond right when it comes. If you still believe this morning that the ABC stores and the abortion clinics that today they're considering essential and they're shutting down churches considering faith and the church and the assembly non-essential. Do you still believe that's straight out of hell this morning? Give me an amen. Fires me up, but guess what? I'm not responding like kind. Remember, they got an internal need they don't even know they have. They need Jesus. Pray for them. Pray for them. But guess what? If you still believe that, many horns went off. You're going to be ready. <coughs> I'm just warning you, it's coming. Make sure you respond the right way. Let me tell you one last thing you'll be ready to go for. It'll be believing this, that there's only one way to heaven. I'm telling you, listen, even so-called religion, religious people will ridicule you for that. You folks that believe there's only one way to heaven, listen, uh, you know, you, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've ridiculed for that. You're one of them, aren't you? Yep, I'm one of them Bible believers. Because the Bible said Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Him. It's not by any works we've done. Titus put it this way, or Paul put it this way when he wrote to Titus. He says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Listen, one way to heaven, his name is Jesus. It's not your works. It's not doing more good than bad and you get to go. Listen, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. There's none righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The word of God says that's why we need a Savior. You, me, and every one of us that have ever been born. We're born with a sin nature, then we willfully add it and, and practice sin on top of that. And we need to change our mind. That's what repent means. And believe the gospel, put our full weight and trust in the fact that Jesus died for our sins, took the penalty that we deserve called death, and, and he took it for us. And, and then he was buried and he carried our sins away and he rose from the dead on the third day. And, and praise God, because he rose, 
as we talked about last week, because he's real, we can be justified, forgiven, and saved by the glory and grace of God. If you still remember, if you still believe today, Jesus is the only way, I want to tell you, you'll be ready for them. Let them ready for them. Remember their need. Their need is for you to keep telling them that Jesus is the only one. Let's make sure we do it in the right spirit. Let's make sure we do it with sadness and love and compassion in our heart because, not because they deserve it, but because we didn't deserve it. They're really feeling us because they don't understand. They're missing something here. That's something we know what it is. His name is Jesus. Stand for what's wrong. Sing the old song, I've decided to follow Jesus. Though none will go with me, even none comes with me. Remember how the song goes? Still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. If that's true for you today, would you signify with a good heart? How to respond to ridicule. Well, if I could get nothing else into your hearts today. <clears throat> Remember, man, when they would do that, when they mock you, when they, they're missing something, something that you got, and you know the answer to what they're missing. Quit looking at it as an opportunity to argue. Look at it as an opportunity to witness, because that's exactly what it is. Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that, that mighty men of God, Lord, including God himself and robed in the flesh in the form of Jesus. Lord, they were ridiculed, they were mocked, just like we are. Lord, if we can study how they handled it. We can study, Lord, and learn, Lord, that, uh, Lord, you had a, how to respond properly. And we can study and find out characteristics that were missing in these folks' lives, Lord, that they desperately need. And more importantly, the characteristics that Christ that was missing in their life that they desperately need. Help us in a day where our religion and faith, Lord, and certainly Christianity and certainly Bible-believing Christianity, Lord, is getting mocked and ridiculed. Help us to stand strong on the truth, but help us to stand with the right spirit by understanding, Lord, these ones doing the ridiculing from a different perspective. God, help us to respond correctly to ridicule. We'll give you the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Before they sing this morning, let me just encourage you, if you're here without Christ this morning, I've already gave you the greatest news ever, the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ, how Jesus died for you, was buried, and rose again, how that if you'll call upon his name, he would save you this very morning, how if, if Jesus himself said it this way, repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent means change your mind. Believe means put your full weight and trust in the gospel, the fact that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. If you call upon his name, if you confess that with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, right? Believe in your heart that God has raised you from the dead. On the authority of scriptures, not my authority, on the authority of scriptures, thou shalt be saved. If you're here, you've never done that. If you've never had a time and a place where you changed your mind, you put your trust in Jesus, why don't you do that this morning? Why don't you call upon his name right there in your vehicle this morning? He would save you right there. 
You don't have to come to an altar. You don't have to come to a gravel pit. Right in your seat right there. From your heart, confess with your mouth. Agree with God. Agree with him you're a sinner. Agree with him that he's the sinner. And by faith receive the free gift of eternal life. Father, we thank you again for how simple it is to trust in you. Lord, if there's one here that's never trusted in you, then I pray right now. Lord, they don't understand that it's not the words of a prayer that will save them. That's not my intent today. Lord, although confession of the mouth is necessary, Lord, it's the belief in the heart of the one that rose from the dead that makes all the difference. Lord, if there is one here today who's never called upon your name, never confessed with their mouth while they believe in their heart. My prayer is right now where they sit in their corner. They just, they, they just call upon you. They could pray something like this. Again, it's not the words or the prayer that necessarily is going to save them. Or it's the, the one they're believing in and trusting in that they're praying to that with But they could pray something from their own heart. Father, I confess to you today that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he was buried and he rose again on the third day for my sins. And today I'm calling upon your name, putting my trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for my salvation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for the free gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. There's someone here, I sure would love to help you in your walk. Today, ask the Lord to save them. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot this morning. Uh, if you're in a car and maybe you're not driving, but somebody else is driving, that's okay. You just tell them. If, if, you, if you trusted the Lord today, we'd love to rejoice with you. Would you, would you just let us know? Would you just honk a horn somewhere? And say, I ask the Lord to save me. I'm not going to call you out and embarrass you. Uh, just, we just want to rejoice with you. Anybody like that today? Last week, there two, two folks did. Anybody today? Can I ask you, Christians, how do you respond to ridicule? It's not a matter if. It's a matter when it's coming. Don't ever forget the characteristics behind those orders. And don't ever forget the need that they have. Let's not get ugly with it. Let's get Jesus to Amen. Our closing song will be To God Be the Glory. And no matter what happens, whether there's mocking, ridicule, or whatnot, that should be our goal, is to give God the glory for it. Anything and everything. Let's sing to God be the
back in. All right, a couple quick reminders. If you if you choose to willingly give, there's a giving bucket over here on this side. If you want a mask, it's one over here. And uh, again, good to sit. Thank you for being here in the house of the Lord. Now, I, I apologize. I ran a little long. I was looking over at my, my phone. I said, well, well, I preached a long time. I didn't mean to preach that long. I don't have a clock anymore. Sorry. <laughs> now, somebody's going to solve that. I promise you, since I said that, somebody will solve that. And there'll be a clock right here on the uh, on the size of Moore's car right up front next week. But, but I apologize for going a little long there. But hey, you're in a warm car. I'm in the cold, so you, you, it's all right. Amen. I had a tough start. I pray you have a great week. Hey, can I encourage you? Listen, find somebody to tell about Jesus this week. The next time you get all fired up like I do, remember, remember those that are ridiculing what we believe. They're missing it. That's just sadness. God bless you. Have a great week.